ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so we'll pick up from roughly where we left off last time a quick recap and then move on to the next section we were discussing the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we were discussing the importance and the impact knowing the names and attributes of Allah has upon a servant لا يخفى أن حاجة العباد إلى معرفة ربهم وخالقهم ومليكهم هي أعظم الحاجات It is not something hidden that the need of the servants to know their Lord and their Creator and the one who possesses and controls everything the need of the servants to know their lord and their creator then it is from the greatest of the needs wa dhururatuhum ila dhalika hiya a'zam al-dhururat and the need and the necessity for the servants to know their Lord is the greatest of necessities. وَكُلَّمَا كَانَ الْعَبْدُ أَعْرَفَ بِأَسْمَاءِ رَبِّهِ وَمَا يَسْتَحِقُّهُ مِنْ صِفَاتِ الْكَمَالِ وَنَعُوتِ الْجَلَالِ وَمَا يَتَنَزَّهُ عَنْهُ مِمَّا يُضَادُ ذَلِكَ مِنَ النَّقَائِسِ وَالْعِيُوبِ كان حظه من الثناء ونصيبه من المدح بحسب ذلك that the more a servant becomes acquainted has knowledge of the names of his lord and what Allah is deserving of from the attributes of perfection the attributes of the might and majesty and greatness of Allah and the more a servant becomes aware and has knowledge of the things that are removed and separated from Allah meaning those shortcomings that Allah is free of any shortcomings Allah is free of any deficiencies the more a servant gains knowledge of this affair regarding the names and attributes of Allah the names and attributes of perfection of Allah and the more he becomes aware of the deficiencies and shortcomings that Allah is absolutely free of that Allah is free of any shortcomings and deficiencies then his portion 
his portion of the praise will be in accordance to that level of his understanding. وَالسَّبِيلُ إِلَىٰ تَحْقِيقِ هَذَا الْمَطْلَبِ الْجَلِيلِ وَالْمَقْصَدِ النَّبِيلِ أَنْ يَتَدَبَّرَ الْعَبْدُ أَسْمَاءَ اللَّهِ الْحُسْنَى الْوَارِدَ فِي الْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّى So what the servant needs to do is to carefully ponder over the names and the attributes of Allah that have been mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah. And that he needs to focus on them one by one, name by name. وَيُثْبِتْ مَا دَلَّتْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ مَعْنَى عَلَىٰ وَجْهٍ يَلِيقُ بِجَلَالِ الرَّبِّ وَكَمَالِ عَظَمَتِهِ And he needs to affirm what meanings are indicated by those names as is befitting of the might and the majesty of Allah. وَيَعْتَقِدْ أَنَّ هَذَا الْكَمَالِ وَالْعَظَمَةِ لَيْسَ لَهُ مُنْتَهَى and he needs to believe that this perfection of Allah is infinite. The perfection of Allah, then it does not have any end. The greatness, the might, the majesty, the perfection of Allah is infinite. وَيُؤْمِنُ أَنَّ كُلَّمَا نَاقَضَ هَذَا الْكَمَالِ بِوَجْهٍ مِنَ الْوُجُوهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَ مُنَزَّهٌ مُقَدَّسٌ عَنْهِ And the servant believes that anything that brings about deficiency in the perfection of Allah in any way, then Allah is free of that. Such is the sanctity that Allah is free and removed from any deficiency. وَيُبْذِلُ مَسْتَطَاعَ مِنْ وُسْعِهِ فِي مَعْرِفَةِ أَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ And so the servant expends, puts effort in. The servant puts in the effort he is able into understanding the names and attributes of Allah. وَيَجْعَلُ هَذِهِ الْمَسْأَلَةِ الْعَظِيمَةِ الْجَلِيلَةِ أَهَمَّ الْمَسَأِلِ وَأَوْلَاهَا بِالْعِنَايَةِ وَأَحَقَّهَا بِالتَّقْدِيمِ لِيَفُوزَ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ بِأَوْفَرِ نَصِيبِ And the servant needs to make this issue the issue of learning the names and attributes of Allah, he needs to make that the most important issue and the greatest of the issues that he gives the importance to and the time to and the most deserving of the issues to be put forth at the priority in order that he may then be victorious and successful 
by achieving the good with the greatest amount of the portion that he can gain. Rawa al-Bukhari wa Muslim an ummil mu'minin Aisha radiyallahu anha al-Bukhari and Muslim they have narrated from Aisha radiyallahu anha anna al-Nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ba'atha rajulan ala sariyah that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent a man upon a battalion a mini army a section of the army that was sent out that he put a man in that battalion to go out in that battalion وَكَانَ يَقْرَأُ لِأَصْحَابِهِ فَصَلَاتِهِمْ فَيَخْتُمْ بِقُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ so that man when he was out on this battalion this small army when they used to pray he used to lead them in the prayer and he used to always end the raka'ah with قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ Always used to end with that. فَلَمَّا رَجَعُوا ذَكَرُوا ذَلِكَ لِلنَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فَقَالْ So when the battalion came back, they mentioned to the Prophet صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ what the man used to do while they were out there. That every time he used to lead the prayer at the end of the recitation, he would always read, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ before going into ruku' He would always read that in every prayer. So when they got back and they told the Prophet ﷺ that, he said to them, سَلُوهُ سَلُوهُ لِأَيِّ شَيْءٍ كَانَ يَسْنَعُ ذَلِكَ Ask him, for what reason did he used to do that? Prophet ﷺ said to them, go and ask him. What is the reason? Why did he always used to end the recitation with قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ The surah. فَسَأَلُوهُ So they went and they asked him. فَقَالْ So he said, لِأَنَّهَا صِفَةُ الرَّحْمَانِ because it is the attribute of Allah. The whole surah, it is about the names and attributes of Allah, the tawheed of Allah. So he said this surah, it is the attribute of Allah. It describes the tawheed and the oneness of Allah. وَأَنَا أُحِبُّ أَنْ أَقْرَأَ بِهَا So I love <coughs> to read it. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet ﷺ said, أَخْبِرُوهُ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّهُ Go and tell him, tell him that Allah سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى loves him. فَهَذِهِ السُّورَةِ الْكَرِيمَةِ أُخْلِصَتْ لِذِكْرِ أَوْصَافِ الرَّحْمَانِ وَنَعُوتِ كَمَالِهِ وَجَلَالِهِ that surah, surah al-ikhlas, it is purely on the descriptions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of the surah talks about purely the tawheed and the oneness of Allah. 
فأحب هذا الصحابي رضي الله عنه الإكثار من قراءتها so that particular companion loved to read it a lot ولهذا لما سأله النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن سبب ملازمته لقراءتها قال لأنها صفة الرحمن وأنا أحب أن أقرأ بها and that's why when the Prophet وسلم, asked why is it that you read it all the time he said because this surah it is talking about Allah it is the attribute of Allah and I love to read it so the Prophet وسلم, told them tell him that Allah loves him and in another narration your love for Surah Al-Ikhlas has entered you or will enter you into paradise. There is another narration very similar to this, in fact. The narration of the Imam who used to lead them in prayer in Masjid Quba. That at the end he would always finish with Qul Allahu Ahad So they said to him how come all the time at the end of every raka'ah when you're reading out loud He read other surahs but at the end you always do Qul Allahu Ahad every time They were like complaining to him how come all the time So he said to them the congregation He said to the congregation that is what I do if you don't like it, you can replace me. But he was the best of them. He was the best of them in the Quran, the recitation, etc. So they didn't want to replace him. They went to the Prophet ﷺ and told him what he does. Same kind of narration. The man, he explained his love for the surah because the surah is... The attribute of Allah, meaning it talks about the oneness and the tawheed of Allah, etc. And he was given a similar type of reply, affirming his action. So this surah, that's why we said before, there are narrations that say, That surah al-ikhlas, it equates to a third of the Quran. How does it equate? How is it equal to a third of the Quran. Because one of the explanations the scholars gave was the Quran, you could say it is three topics overall. One topic is all about the Tawheed of Allah. One topic is about the rulings, the halal, the haram. And one topic is huh? That's the first one, the Tawheed, the stories of the prophets and the nations gone by. So therefore, Al-Ikhlas, it is purely on one of those three subjects, the Tawheed of Allah. Therefore, it is equivalent to a third of the topics of the Qur'an. It is equivalent to a third of the Qur'an in that way. That is one explanation of that. فَدَلَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ حُبَّ الْعَبْدِ لِصِفَاتِ الرَّحْمَانِ وَمُلَازَمَتَهُ تذكرها وملازمته وتذكرها واستحضار ما دلت عليه من المعاني الجليلة اللائقة بكمال الرب وجلاله 
This indicates therefore that a person who loves and clings on to like they did in continuously reciting Al-Ikhlas has an attachment to this to the Tawheed of Allah and the remembrance of what is deserving of Allah in His names and attributes and understanding the meanings of the names and attributes that will be from the greatest of the factors from the greatest of the reasonings to enter a person into paradise and to achieve the love of Allah and to achieve the, the pleasure and the love of Allah as is just like this particular companion the one who used to recite al-ikhlas regularly because of his love for that surah because of the tawheed that it indicated the tawheed of allah the monotheism and so as a consequence of that it is a cause for him entering paradise in al-wajiba ala kulli muslimin أن يقف مع جميع صفات الواردة في الكتاب والسنة موقف الرضا والقبول والتسليم. It is upon every Muslim to stop at all of the names and attributes in the Quran with an understanding or with an emotion of absolute pleasure, contentment, acceptance and submission to the names and attributes of Allah. You are absolutely in acceptance, in submission, in satisfaction, in pleasure of recognizing the greatness of your Lord, in understanding the names and attributes of your Lord. كما قال الإمام الزهري رحمه الله من الله الرسالة وعلى الرسول البلاغ وعلينا التسليم. الإمام الزهري made that famous statement when he said, "From Allah is the message, the revelation. From Allah is the revelation. Upon the messenger is the duty of dissemination." And upon us is submission. From Allah is the revelation. Upon the messenger is the duty of dissemination. To spread that and to teach that. وَعَلَيْنَا And upon us is a taslim submission. We submit to that revelation. وَلَا يَجُوزُ لِمُسْلِمْ قدر الله حق قدره أن يقابل شيئا منها برد أو استنكار أو تعطيل أو نحو ذلك
And it is not permissible for a Muslim who has understood the rights of Allah, the true rights of Allah. It is not permissible for a Muslim who has understood the true rights of Allah and the status of Allah to ever receive or to approach or to face any of these names and attributes with rejection. To ever reject any of them or to rebut any of them or to repel any of them, never. The believer submits and accepts and affirms the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why there is a narration reported by Abd al-Razzaq in the Musannaf عن معمر عن ابن طاووس عن أبيه عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما أنه رأى رجلا انتفاضا لما سمع حديثا عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الصفات استنكارا لذلك فقال ما فرق هؤلاء أجدون رقة عند محكمة ويهلكون عند متشابه There is a narration Ibn Abbas mentions that he saw a man show some some disgust or some hesitance on his face when hearing the names and attributes of Allah or hearing the attributes of Allah that the man showed some some discontentment some disgust some some uh, re resistance some hesitance on his face when hearing the attributes of Allah so when Ibn Abbas saw this he said what is the issue with these people that when they hear the muhkam ayat of the Qur'an, they find this resistance and this hesitance in the attributes of Allah being mentioned. They find this resistance, this fear, this rejection when they hear those clear attributes of Allah. And when they hear the mutashabih, the mutashabih meaning sections that you need to refer back to the muhkamat to understand them they don't do that and so يهلكون, they are destroyed at those parts those parts that you should refer back to the muhkamat the clear cut sections in order to understand them they don't they just interpret them separately and become destroyed as a consequence because their interpretations are wrong and this is one of the key things the Quran has the muhkamat and the mutashabihat. Many of the people of innovation have misunderstood that. They say the names and attributes of Allah are mutashabih. They are unclear, ambiguous. And that is not the case. That is not the case. The names and attributes of Allah are considered from the muhkamat. From the clear cut verses of the Quran. As for the mutashabih, those that could hold different meanings, then how do you understand them? By taking them back and putting them into the context of the muhkamat ayat, by putting those ones into the context of the muhkamat, 
That will then clarify to you and make apparent to you the intended meaning of these others. But what do they do with these ayat that could hold different meanings? They do not refer them back to the muhkamat. Instead, they abuse the opportunity by implementing or asserting different meanings for these sections, meanings that are not correct, but they assert those meanings and spread those meanings and they are misguided and destroyed as a consequence. Ahlul Sunnah do not do that. Ahlul Sunnah refer those back to the muhkamat. In the context of the muhkamat, it then becomes clear what this is supposed to mean and what the intent is. But they do not. They take those independently, assert, put their own meanings onto them. And those are misguided and distorted meanings and they go astray as a consequence. This narration, it is particularly talking about an example. A person who didn't have enough knowledge, when he heard certain attributes and certain descriptions, because of his lack of knowledge and understanding, straight away he thought, no, how can that be? And that, that is what happens. When you first start to explain the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah to the awam, to the commoners who have never been taught properly, their first reaction, if you're not careful and you don't teach properly, will be, that's impossible. How can you say Allah has this and Allah has that and Allah has this attribute, that attribute? How can it be? A common reaction for those who have not understood will be of rejection initially. So it requires that steady explanation of building slowly in the principles of the names and attributes for them to recognize and understand what Allah has mentioned about himself in terms of the names and attributes. Otherwise they will reject that. They will reject it. And that's why when giving da'wah, when studying, it requires that tadarruj, step by step, step by step learning the religion. And that's why the Salaf, they said, مَنْ رَامَ الْعِلْمَ جُمْلَةً ذَهَبَ عَنْهُ جُمْلَةً Whomsoever desires knowledge all in one go, then it will disappear from him all in one go. Meaning if you try to learn everything straight away, go straight to the deep issues and try to get it all. You want to learn it all straight away into the deep issues, everything. Then you will notice afterwards you never became grounded in anything. So by you trying to take it all in quickly, deep issues, everything, you never become grounded in it. And as a consequence, all of that will disappear from you very quickly. It will not stay with you. That knowledge will not be grounded in you. Whoever tries to seek knowledge all in one go, it will disappear from you all in one go. Because you never became grounded. You never learned it step by step. You tried to take it all in one go and never became grounded and therefore it will all disappear, <coughs> disappear from you in one go. فَتَبَيَّنَ بِذَلِكَ أَنَّ الْوَاجِبَ فِي الْأَسْمَاءِ وَالصِّفَاتِ هُوَ التَّسْلِيمُ وَالْقَبُولِ 
Therefore it becomes clear that the obligation regarding the names and attributes is to submit and to accept. وَأَنْ يَحْذَرَ الْمُسْلِمُ أَشَدَّ الْحَذَرِ مِنْ صَبِيلِ مَنْ يُلْحِدُونَ فِي أَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ And that a Muslim has to be extremely careful to stay well away from the path of the mulhidun, those who reject the names and attributes of Allah, or they lie and distort and deviate the meanings of the names and attributes of Allah. And we spoke about that previously, the different ways they do that. They take the names of Allah and give it to their idols or they name Allah with inappropriate names like the Father, various types of ilhad we spoke about before. وَأَهْلُ السُّنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ مَنْهَجُهُمْ فِي هَذَا الْبَابِ الْعَظِيمِ The methodology of Ahlu Sunnah in this field, the field of names and attributes is إِثْبَاتُ مَا أَثْبَتَهُ اللَّهُ لِنَفْسِهِ To affirm what Allah has affirmed for himself. وَمَا أَثْبَتَهُ لَهُ رَسُولُهُ صلى الله عليه وسلم مِنْ صِفَاتِ الْكَمَالِ وَنَعُوتِ الْجَلَالِ And to affirm what his messenger Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم has affirmed for Allah. دون تحريف أو تعطيل ودون تكييف أو تمثيل without any distortion nor rejection nor giving descriptions nor resembling والنفي ما نفاه الله عن نفسه وما نفاه عنه رسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم من النقائص والعيوب and at the same time to negate from Allah what Allah has negated from himself or what the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has negated from Allah from the deficiencies and the shortcomings وَلَا يَتَجَاوَزُونَ فِي ذَلِكَ الْقُرْآنِ وَالْحَدِيثِ And Ahlu Sunnah do not go beyond the Qur'an and Sunnah in doing so in affirming the names and attributes of Allah or negating affairs from Allah that Allah has negated from himself they do all of that in the bounds of the Quran and the Sunnah what's in there alone whereas the people of innovation they go beyond those bounds and they insert their own intelligence and their own logic and rationale into the issue and begin to deduct logically what their aqidah should be. Begin to work out with their logic and rationale what they're supposed to believe. And that is falsehood. وَلَا رَيْبَ أَنَّ لِهَذَا الْمَنْهَجِ الْعَظِيمِ آثَارًا كَثِيرًا عَلَى الْعَبْدِ فِي صَلَاحِهِ وَاسْتِقَامَتِهِ وَخَوْفِهِ مِنْ رَبِّهِ وَمُرَاقَبَتِهِ لَهِ and no doubt there are great effects upon a servant in terms of his righteousness, in terms of his uprightness, in terms of his fear of his Lord, 
and recognizing that Allah sees and hears everything of him. إِذْ إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ كُلَّمَا كَانَ بِاللَّهِ وَبِأَسْمَائِهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ أَعْلَمْ كَانَ مِنَ اللَّهِ أَخْوَفْ وَلَهُ أَطْلَبْ وَإِلَيْهِ أَقْرَبْ The greater a servant becomes in his knowledge of the names and attributes of Allah, then the greater he becomes in his fear of Allah. And the greater he becomes in his asking from Allah. And the greater he becomes in his closeness to Allah. That is the one who becomes greater in his knowledge of his Lord, in the names and attributes of his Lord. أَمَّا مَنْ خَالَفَ هَذَا الْمَنْهَجِ وَتَنَكَّبَهِ هذه الجادة وسلك طرق أهل الزيغ في أسماء الله وصفاته فما أبعده عن معرفة ربه وخالقه As for a person who traverses other than this manhaj and moves off this upright pathway and understanding the names and attributes of Allah and instead traverses upon the pathways of the people of deviance in names and attributes, then how far he will become in understanding his Lord and his Creator. بَلْ إِنَّهُ يَكُونُ أَضْعَفُ النَّاسِ مَعْرِفَةً بِاللَّهِ وَأَقَلُّهُمْ خَوْفًا وَخَشْيَةً مِنْ That type of person will become the weakest in their understanding of their Lord. And the least of them in his fear of his Lord. And the least of them in his, his fear and awe of his Lord. وَلِذَا And because of that. يَقُولُ ابْنُ الْقَيِّمُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ ابْنُ الْقَيِّمُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى mentioned. بَعْدَ أَنْ بَيَّنَا أن تفاوت الناس في معرفة الله يرجع إلى تفاوتهم في معرفة النصوص النبوية. ابن القيم يمنشن that the people their levels will differ in their understanding of Allah. That difference in their levels of understanding Allah returns back to the difference in their levels of understanding the texts. The difference between them in their levels of understanding the texts. وَفَهْمِهَا وَالْعِلْمْ بِفَسَادِ الشَّبْحِ الْمُخَالِفَةِ لِحَقَائِقِهَا And the knowledge, the difference in understanding how comparisons or oppositions to the realities affect things. So he said, وَتَجِدُ أَضْعَفَ النَّاسِ بَصِيرَةً أَهْلَ الْكَلَامِ الْبَاطِلِ الْمَذْمُومِ That you will find the weakest of the people in insight are the people of the philosophers, أَهْلُ الْكَلَامِ Those who speak falsely in deviation in regards to the names and attributes of Allah. الَّذِي ذَمَّهُ السَّلَفِ that which the Salaf criticized and dispraised. 
disparaged the Salaf they disparaged and criticized them because of those philosophers their lack of understanding the texts and the meanings of the texts and because those philosophers allowed these false doubts to take hold of their hearts <coughs> they allowed those false doubts to take hold of their hearts Ibn Qayyim then said, the commoners are better than those philosophers. The commoners are in a better state and in a stronger state of understanding their Lord than those so-called scholars of the philosophers. إذا تأملت حال العامة الذين ليسوا مؤمنين عند أكثرهم عند أكثر المتكلمين رأيتهم أتم بصيرة منهم وأقوى إيمانا وأعظم تسليما للوحي وانقيادا للحق. He says if you were to look at the state of the commoners who according to the philosophers are kuffar anyway according to the philosophers they say these people are not believers because they don't have the same aqeed and the names and attributes as them. But these commoners, Ibn Qayyim says, they are more insightful in their understanding of the names and attributes, stronger in their iman, greater in their submission to accepting the names and attributes of Allah and the revelation from Allah and accepting the truth than those philosophers and those people of deviation in names and attributes. وَلِهَذَا وَجَبَ عَلَى كُلِّ مُسْلِمٍ أَنْ يَكُونَ فِي هَذَا الْبَابِ وَفِي جَمِيعِ الْأَبْوَابِ And that's why a Muslim needs to say and be upon the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah in this regard of the names and attributes of Allah just like in every aspect of your religion you need to be upon the path of Ahlul Sunnah wal-Jama'ah in it. Then we move on to the next chapter, and this chapter it talks about the number of names that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. And in this chapter it mentions, starts by mentioning the hadith, which is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, hadith of Abu Huraira. رضي الله عنه أنه قال إن لله تسعة وتسعين اسما مئة إلا واحدة من أحصاها دخل الجنة that indeed Allah has 99 names a hundred minus one whomsoever understands them memorizes them implements them, practices the meanings, whomsoever does that with the names of Allah, then he will enter paradise. وَلَا رَيْبَ أَنَّ هَذَا الْفَضْلُ الْعَظِيمُ أَلَا وَهُوَ دَخُولُ الْجَنَّةِ أَلْمُتَرَتِّبُ عَلَى إِحْصَاءِ هَذَا الْعَدَدِ مِنْ أَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ لَيُحَرِّكَ فِي النَّفْسِ الْجِدِّ فِي نَيْلِ هَذَا الْمَطْلَبِ الْعَظِيمُ وَسَعِي فِي تَكْمِيلِهِ 
والحرص الشديد على تحقيقه so now that Allah has told us in this hadith in this revelation the Prophet sallam has mentioned that indeed Allah has 99 names 100 minus 1 whomsoever memorizes them acts upon them enumerates them will enter paradise knowing that if you do that with the names of Allah the reward of it is paradise will certainly encourage a person to learn and to understand the, the meanings of the names and the attributes of Allah and to memorize them however People seem to think mistakenly that the hadith means if you simply memorize 99 names and you can read them out from memory that you will enter paradise. The meaning of ahsaha isn't just to memorize 99 names. It is something more than that. It is to understand the meanings of them. And it is to understand how you rectify your actions as a consequence of understanding them. So memorizing them, yes. But understanding them and recognizing how to affect your behavior because of them and rectify your behavior because of them, all of that comes into man ahsaha. وَلَقَدْ نَبَّهَ الْعُلَمَاءِ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ أَنَّهُ لَيْسَ الْمُرَادِ بِإِحْصَاءِ أَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ عَدْ حُرُوفِهَا فَقَدْ بِلَا فِقْهْ لَهَا أَوْ عَمَلْ بِهَا بَلْ لَا بُدَّ فِي ذَلِكَ مِنْ فَهْمِ مَعْنَاهَا وَالْمُرَادُ بِهَا فَهْمًا صَحِيحًا سَلِيمًا ثُمَّ الْعَمَلْ بِمَا تَقْتَضِيهِ so you have to memorize them, but you have to understand their meanings and act upon them appropriately. The one who does that with 99 names of Allah, then that individual enters paradise. But another great misconception that arises regarding this narration is the misconception that Allah only has 99 names. This hadith is not telling you that Allah only has 99 names. It is telling you if you memorize and understand and act upon 99 names, then you have the reward of paradise promised to you. That doesn't mean Allah only has 99. But what's required of you is only 99 in the learning, memorizing, practicing as the minimum to enter into this narration. Allah otherwise has more than 99 names. What are the proofs that Allah has more than 99 names? We've done this several times before. Everybody should know by now. In the Quran, how? Intercession, what do you mean? So there are evidences in the sunnah which prove that there are more than 99 names. One is the hadith about intercession. When the Prophet ﷺ goes to do the intercession 
Then when he raises his head, when it is said to him, Irfa', raise your head, Is'al, Tu'ta', Ishfa', Tushaffa', ask and you will be given, seek the intercession, you'll be given the intercession. In that section, the Prophet says, فَيُفْتَحُ عَلَيَّ بِمَحَامِدٍ لَمْ أَكُنْ أَعْرِفَا مِنْ قَبْلٍ That forms of praise for Allah are opened up to me that I did not know before. Forms of praise, more names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another proof in the sunnah. <coughs> Dua in times of in times of distress or grief. In that dua, the Prophet says, As'aluka bi kullismin huwalak. I ask you by every name that you have. And then several uh, several sections of those names are mentioned or descriptions ma anzaltahu ala khalqika aw fi kitabika etc and then at the end it says or the names mimma sta'tharta bihi fi ilm al-ghayb 'indak from the names that you have kept in the knowledge of the unseen with you so that proves there are names that Allah has which are for us from the knowledge of the unseen, we don't know. How many names does Allah have that we don't know of yet? We don't know. So therefore it is impossible to say Allah only has 99 names. We don't know what this unknown figure is yet. So there are multiple other names. Even in this hadith itself, it is not a proof that there are only 99 names. You remember the example the scholars give to explain the hadith. They say if a person was to come in, the example of this nature, if a person was to come into the mosque now and say, I've got 99 pounds that I want to give in charity to the mosque. So how much money has he got? 99 pounds, he said. 90, he said, I've got 99 pounds in my pocket. That's all he's got in his pocket. He says, i got 99 pounds in my pocket I want to give in charity to the mosque. So how much is he going to give in charity to the mosque? 99 pounds. How much does he have altogether? How much money does he own altogether? We don't know. Who knows how much he's got in his bank? He could have 99,000 in his bank. All he's saying is, I've got 99 prepared for this purpose of charity to the mosque. The hadith has a similar type of meaning. That for you to get the promise of paradise, you need to... Learn, memorize, act upon at least 99 names. How many more does Allah have beside that? Who knows? Many more. But just for this purpose, it's been told you need to do 99. There are more. Allah has more. Some of the scholars even say that the number of names and attributes of Allah in the Quran and the Sunnah are already more than 99 some of the scholars they came to numbers of 130 plus some of them came to numbers of 120 plus 110 plus many scholars came to the conclusion that there are already more than 99 in the quran and the sunnah when you put it together so that would be clear cut absolutely for you to understand there's more than 99 it's there in the quran and the sunnah more than 99 but then on top of that, you have those evidences clearly indicating that Allah has more than 99 names. Allah's names are not restricted to only 99.
So what about these posters that you see, the 99 names of Allah? <coughs> what about the hadith? There is a hadith where it says exactly the same as this one. Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'een asma man ahsaha dakhala al-jannah wa hiya there is another version of the hadith which says, Indeed Allah has 99 names, uh, 100 minus 1, whomsoever learns, memorizes, acts upon them will enter paradise. That's what the Bukhari Muslim one said. There's another one says, all of that exactly the same, then adds on, and those 99 names are, and in the hadith it lists, lists out 99 names. There's a version, not in Bukhari Muslim. In Bukhari Muslim it's just up to there. Indeed, Allah has 99 names, 100 minus 1, whoever learns, memorizes, acts upon them, enters paradise. Full stop. In another version, which is not in Bukhari Muslim, it's in the Mustadrak of Al-Hakim and I think a Tirmidhi, it mentions in that one, Indeed, Allah has 99 names, 100 minus 1, whoever learns, memorizes, acts upon them, will enter paradise. And those 99 are, and then it lists the 99. So what about that hadith now? It lists 99 names out for you. That narration, as the scholars have mentioned, is a weak narration. Al-Walid ibn Muslim, one of the narrators, Mudallis, various reasons, it is a weak narration. The one that lists out 99 names in it. So that hadith cannot be uh, used as an evidence that Allah has 99 exactly, and here they are, it's in a hadith. That hadith is not to be attributed to the Prophet. That's what we're going to conclude today. Next week, we're going to start from the next topic, which is the differences in the names of Allah. Some of the names of Allah are more virtuous than others. Some of them have a higher status than others. So we're going to talk about the different levels of the names and of the names of Allah. Tafadul. And what is the greatest name of Allah? What are the greatest names of Allah? And the different levels of the names of Allah? That's what we'll begin with next week. Any questions up to there? In that case, we'll conclude. Carry on next week at 6.45 PM insha'Allah wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in